Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 15. Luke is in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's the third book of the New Testament. It's where we've been spending a lot of time. Also, if you're watching online with us, thanks for engaging with us. I want to say to any guests that are here, we're glad that you're here. And, uh, you know, if churches, yeah, let's give a hand. We're glad that they're here. And so, um, just a lot of good things going on. So, we've been talking about for the last few weeks about the prodigal son. Now, the only place that it's mentioned is in the Gospel of Luke. So I know this is kind of unusual for us. We usually don't spend this much time in just one passage of Scripture. I explained this last week, and we had somebody that said, is he talking about the same thing again? And it would have been okay, except the person that asked that was a staff member. So, uh, but, um, then we miss him. But, uh, the, so, <laughs> but yes, we're, talking, we're using the same passage of Scripture. We're taking individuals out of each one of those stories. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Taking, uh, taking uh, out of each one of those stories, uh, what's going on there, and so to look at each life, and so the first day, we talked about the younger brother, and you know how he had, he had told his father that he was going to, um, he wanted his inheritance, he wanted it now, and being the younger brother meant that he got a third of whatever was there. The older brother got two-thirds, and so he said he didn't want to wait till his father died, he wanted it now, and he left, we saw what happened, and so Jesus was telling the story, and so I want to start with uh, Luke 15, verse 1. And it says this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So again, tax collectors, notorious sinners. We've all at some point in our life, whether we want, like it or not, have been a notorious sinner. Anybody without Jesus. And so we have to understand that. And we've all been that. And so they came to hear Jesus teach, and it made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with them and even eating with him. So they were upset that he would associate with them, that he would eat with them. They, you know, to them, they viewed it as an unclean thing. Like, you know, I can hear him right now, Master, we don't even let him in synagogue, and you go out and eat with them. So it says as a result of what they were thinking, Jesus told them this story. So he told them a story about a guy that had 100 sheep. And one of the sheep got lost. And, he, and the shepherd left the 99 to go find the one. And when he found the one, he put it on his shoulders and he carried it back to the herd. And so when he got back, man, he was so excited. He invited his friends and his neighbors with him to celebrate that his sheep that was lost had been found. And Jesus tells his story. He says, just like you would get excited about finding that lost sheep, heaven gets excited when someone that's been lost comes home. And he was speaking to both of them. He was speaking to the lost sheep, the people that were listening to him, and those that were angry that he was connecting with them. And then he tells another story about a lady that had 10 coins. And I think culturally it meant something to them that we've lost sight of it. A lot of theologians think that they weren't just any 10 coins. They were connected to the lady's dowry. In other words, the gift that she would have when she got married. So it was significant to her. That's why she looked so hard for it. And eventually she found it and she was so excited that she called her friends and her guests together and invited them and they celebrated together. And he said, you know, he said, in the same way, in the same way, when that person found their lost sheep, that person found their lost coin, you find that thing that you've lost that you thought was gone forever, that you find that credit card, your wallet, your purse, I mean, whatever it is that's of value to you, you find it and you celebrate. It's in the same way. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels 
when even one sinner repents in the same way. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Everybody say two sons. The younger one told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Everybody say distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So here's a picture of what takes place of all this time. But if you'll remember in the beginning of the story that Jesus is telling, the man had two sons. And so we know about the younger son, about his journey, you know, his, his first dishonoring of his father, that I want my inheritance, and then leaving and wasting it all, and then returning back home to the point of the celebration. But the man had two sons, and so this was the younger son. So what about the older son? What, what took place with him? Well, let's keep reading here, and it says this. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. He wasn't out wasting his father's living. He wasn't out wasting his father's inheritance. He wasn't shaming his family by having to work for some Gentile who was raising pigs when pigs were considered unclean to the Jewish people. He was the good son. He was the son that just did things right. How many of you in here that, you, that you've had kids and like you're, you, you are or you, you know the older son. How many of you know the older son or the older? You know, isn't it funny with older kids, man, they, they tend to be, now you may be the exception, they tend to be rule followers and rule keepers. Now our, our oldest one, David, he's up here on the front row with him and his wife, Kyla. And I love to tell the story when David was like in the fifth or sixth grade, he called us. He was at a birthday party. And he said, dad, they're listening to music here that I don't think you would approve of. I'd never expected that phone call. I go, okay, hold on just a minute. And I put my hand over the phone. I said, Tina, I goes, he says that they're listening to music here that I wouldn't approve of, and I don't really know what to tell him. <laughs> and she said something that she hardly ever says. I don't either. And so, <laughs> and so you know, neither one of us knew what, what to tell him. And so finally, I'm like, well, um, can, can you go to a room where maybe, I don't want you to separate yourself from them. I mean, I mean, don't go in the restroom and go through the medicine cabinet or anything like that. But I mean, can you, can you separate yourself from them? And I mean, not from the people that are there, but can you go to another room where people are and the music not be as loud or, or as predominant? Yeah, I can do that. 
Okay, okay, good. Yeah, you go ahead and do that. <laughs> Parent crisis averted. I mean, so it's, it's one of those things, you know, a question I never thought I would be asked. You know, that's what happens when your kid is actually a better kid than you were as a kid. You know, I mean, it's, it was like, you know, like, we're not going to tell my parents that they were listening to music. You know, I mean, so, uh, but I mean, it's just, you know, so a lot of times even in birth order, that the older kid can tend to be, you know, the one that follows the rules and, and that type of thing. And, and matter of fact, I think the Lord does that on purpose to fool us into thinking that all of our kids will do that because if they were, if they were like the middle one or the younger one, you wouldn't have any more kids. And so, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. But anyway, so, so you know, this younger, this older son, he's in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. So, the older brother's working in the fields. He comes back home. He hears music. He hears dancing. You know, quite honestly, I wonder if he'd heard this since his younger brother had left. I wonder how much grief had gripped their home since the younger brother had left. And so maybe it was a strange sound for him. Maybe it was one of those things he hadn't heard in a long time. And so in their culture, typically, there'd be some younger guys that would either work there or just from around the community kind of knew the family, but for whatever reason, because of their age, they may not go inside to the party, but they would be outside the house. And so the older brother hears this sound that's probably been unfamiliar in their home. And what they would do back then is they would take a particular uh, one of their livestock and just feed it well and take care of it in case they had an impromptu celebration that they could slaughter and then, and then serve it to their guest. And so the younger brother comes home, he notices that the fattened calf, you know, the, the older brother, when he sees, he knows the fattened calf is gone, there's this party going on, and he calls one of the younger men to him, he goes, hey, what's going on in there? And they said, we're celebrating. Your younger brother's returned home, he's back from that distant land, and so we're celebrating, they've killed the fattened calf, there's just this huge party going on. And here was the older brother's response. The older brother was angry. And wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. So again, picture this in your mind. A lot of times we just read things and kind of get the headlines. But this, you know, if this were an actual event, what would have taken place? The father would have been in the house entertaining the guest, connecting with people, you know, having his son around him and talking about his return home. We're just so happy. Man, you know, we, th you know, we didn't know. You know, he was just gone and he's back and we're just so happy. And the older brother comes up and he asks a question. And when he finds out what's happened, he's angry and so he doesn't go in. So somebody goes in and tells the father. Hey, your other son's out there. Well, send him in there. Tell him, come on in. We're going to celebrate. He refuses to. So now then the father has to excuse himself. One more time he has a son, and even though he was the good son, because his relationship with the father what it was, wasn't what it should be. He put his father in another situation where once again he has to excuse himself and in their culture, it was a very shameful thing. He had to leave a party that he threw on to go outside and persuade his son to honor him by coming in the house. And the older son said, no, no. All these years, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time, 
You never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Right before that, it says this, his father came out and begged him. Let's go in. Let's go in. He begged him. But the older brother refused to. The truth of the matter is that the older brother, even though he never left home, even though that in behavior he was doing the right thing, he had the same problem the younger brother had. That he didn't have a relationship with the father that was engaged with his father's heart and wanted what his father wanted. His frustration was about, not just about what his father, how his father had treated the younger son, but what he had done with his stuff. And just like the younger son, the, the younger brother, that he wanted the father's presence when he left, I mean, one of the father's stuff when he left the house, but not his presence. That was the same thing true with the older brother, is that he wanted the stuff, but not his presence. He could stand out there and then just without any conviction at all, just say to his father, I'm not going in there, creating all sorts of shame for his father in the house. And so he may have looked good on the outside, but his issues were on the inside. We can be that way, that we can do all the right things and yet our heart be so disconnected from what God wants for us. I, I, he said, not even once have, have, have you done this. All that time, you, you never even gave me a young goat. What the son did here was disrespectful to, to refuse to go in and force the father to go outside of the banquet and make it about himself. He felt he deserved it. He felt he deserved it. And so as a result of that, he, he embarrassed his father. As a result of that, he didn't even refer to his brother as his brother. He called him, his, he's your son. You know, while, I mean, we can be in those seasons where we're doing all the things externally we're supposed to do but our heart's not connected in relationship. In the Old Testament, as it goes through different kings, it would say this about some kings, and his heart was right with the Lord. His heart was, was, was right with the Lord. And there'd be other kings that his heart wasn't right. I love this. It says this about one king, that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but his heart was not right with the Lord. He did that which was right, but his heart wasn't right. There was another king that said this about him. He didn't always do that which was right but his heart was right. And this is a picture of the older brother. Yeah, he stayed. He stayed because of what was in it for him. He had the same problem as a younger brother. Let's keep reading. It says this. It says, in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. And it, and it says, Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. This son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. Here's the second thing. He was indifferent to his brother's spiritual condition. He was indifferent to his brother's spiritual condition. He lost sight of this, that children have access that when the younger brother came home, his return, he was the father's son. 
Isn't it wild that we don't get relationship and we don't get grace? We think it's all about deserving it. I love this, that when Jesus said, if you're going to receive the kingdom of God, you have to receive it like a little child. I remember when my kids were real, real little, and they would do something they weren't supposed to do. And I would go in, like, to say their room was a mess, and I would say, man, your room is a mess. Clean it up. And they'd go, okay, can I have a toy? And I'm like, no, no, you can't have a toy. What's wrong with you? But even then, see, I lost sight of the fact that they weren't asking me for a toy because they felt like they were good. They were asking me for a toy because they viewed me as their father, as the one being good. That They were asking not because they deserved it, but because of relationship. Can I tell you that even to this day, you know, I mean, Tina and I have been empty nesters for a few years, and I, I really was not looking forward to that at all, and it's, it's been a lot more fun than I thought it would be. But, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that, when, it, you know, two of our kids live local and they go to church here, man. And I mean, I wish our third one lived by us too. But, you know, we go to church together and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes they'll come over and, you know, they'll just, they'll go into the pantry and begin to grab snacks. And I like it. I do. I'm like, this is still your home. My dad would tell me that. that can I get so-and-so? This is still your home. I've told them before, and they don't need it, but I've told them, if I have money, you have money. If I've got a house, you got a house. Whatever you need, if you don't have it, and I have it, you have it. There are times that I'll save a diet root beer in my home. And it's just, I can't wait. I, I, I love A&W diet root beer. And so, I, you know, and I, last time I said that about Snickers, I got a bunch of Snickers bars, and I'm not panhandling for diet root beers. I want you to know that, so... <laughs> So, but I'll, I'll come home some days and I'll look in the refrigerator. I'll say to Tina, I'm like, did you drink my diet root beer? She goes, no, I didn't drink it. David came over today. And he drank it. And you just watched him. You, you let that happen. You go to Quick Trip right now and get me a diet root No, man. That's not what happens. I mean, I joke about it and stuff like that, but there just does something in my heart that he did that. They'll, they'll bring the kids over, or Jake and Ashley will bring the kids over, and they'll be like, you know, hostess rappers and stuff like that, and, and they're not mine. And so, you know, it's just, but it, again, it's just kids have access. And the older brother, he didn't get that about his relationship with the father. But he was indifferent to his brother's spiritual condition. When he referred to him, he didn't say, my brother was lost. He said, this son of yours. He totally disconnected him from the relationship. He totally disconnected him from his responsibility. In his world, he didn't want the brother around. Let me just say this, man. I'm so grateful to you guys. And I say this from time to time, but I want to say it out loud so if anybody's new here that you get that this is who we are. That whatever brokenness you walk through those doors with, we're glad you're here. We love you. We love you. Now, yeah, we love you. Now, here's what I know. The only answer to your brokenness and my brokenness is the same, and it's Jesus. I know some people wish that there were like a lot of different ways for our brokenness to be fixed. But it'd be like saying, I wish two plus two was five. You know what? It's never going to be. And the answer is always going to be the same. It's Jesus. 
But his younger brother showed up with the smell of the pigsty on him. And his father celebrated his presence. And so I don't know what you came in here with. You know, you know what, I, what my journey is, you know, contained. But I'm glad that you're here. And, you know, doing that, I realize this. That means that sometimes we're going to be the church. We're going to be the church that, that's too good. That's too patient. That gave too many chances. We're going to be the church that people criticize when we're good to people. And their criticism's not even honest. While back, you know, somebody had said that they'd heard that we were giving hotel rooms to people across the street so they could just stay there and do drugs. That's stupid. <laughs> Why would you think that? I'm grateful that the person came and asked me. On the other hand, does that mean we're going to be used by people at times? Yes. Does that mean they're going to lie to us, you know, and, and just take advantage of us? Yes. Yes, that's the choice we have. The choice we have is, is to play it safe and shut off our heart to the rest of the world or anybody that could come in and take advantage of us. And we could go around and nobody would ever say, well, they were just too good to them. Nobody would ever say, well, I can't believe that, that they did that with the church's money and that type of thing. Nobody would ever say any of those things. It would be so safe. But there'd be no parties. Because the father doesn't celebrate safety. He celebrates restoration. So we're going to be that place. We're going to be taken advantage of at times. Sometimes we're taken advantage of and we suspect we're being taken advantage of. But we say, well, either they're taking advantage of us or they have a genuine need. And if we're going to miss it, I would rather miss it trying to be good to them in this case than miss it and like, you know what? They really weren't taking advantage. They really needed it. But boy, did we show them. So if you want a safe place, it's in your place. If you want a place that doesn't give too many chances, it's in your place. This is a place where that's going to happen. This is a place where sometimes that's going to happen. Do you know why one of the reasons it's so important? Because in seasons of my life, in certain situations in my life, I've been the younger brother. I know what it's like to ask people for help. And to be shamed as a result of it. It doesn't cause me to want to lean into what takes place there. It causes me to want to pull away. And so whenever the younger brother shows up, I don't want to be the older brother. The older brother, he didn't get it. He was indifferent to where his brother was. When we read about the father, and we'll talk about him next week, he saw his son from a long way off, and he ran out to greet him. I wonder if there was ever a day that the older brother ever grieved for the absence of his younger brother in the household. I wonder if there was ever a day that he ever wondered, is he okay? Is he still alive? Is he ever going to come home? We have no idea how long he was gone, but we have no indication that those questions or those thoughts ever went through the older brother's mind, that he was just so indifferent. It was okay with him if the younger brother's presence never darkened their door ever again. And the day that he did, not only could he not celebrate, he would even do the courtesy of going inside to spare his father the embarrassment of having to come out and persuade another one of his sons to do what's right, even the good son. The older brother did all of the good things 
but he didn't love the Father. Number two is this, is that he was indifferent to his brother's spiritual condition. Let's finish this up. He said, his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me. In other words, the father, didn't, he didn't deny that, man. He affirmed it. You have stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. Look, this is how the father refers to him. For your brother, not just my son, your brother was dead and has come back to life. He, your brother, was lost and now he is found. The father shares that with him and he had to remind the older brother that he had two sons. Not just him. There, there were two sons and even though the other one had been in the distant land, his heart still ached for him, still missed him. But he was saying to his oldest son, he's my son, but he's your brother. And so he shares that with him. He, he tells him that, you know, that he was lost, but now he's found. He was dead and he's come back to life. And he said, you know, you've stayed by me and everything I have is yours. But the thing the older brother didn't have was he didn't know his father's heart. He thought about himself the same way that his younger brother did. It was just, just looked different. But it was the same heart that his younger brother had. His younger brother, he went to the distant land and when he hurt bad enough, he came back. And that's not what you always have to do. It's not, we don't always have to hurt enough before we finally return. Sometimes we can learn enough or grow enough. And I think it's interesting right here that Jesus doesn't tell how the story ends. We never know what decision the older brother made. We don't know whether he said, forgive me, Father, I, I'm so sorry, man. I've been so selfish. And went into the house with the father. We don't know if the older brother said, I don't care. I'm not honoring him. One other thing that we don't hear a lot about, but in their culture, that when you had a party like this, because the older brother received two-thirds of the inheritance, when all of those guests were there, a lot of times it was the older brother's responsibility to serve all the guests. And so I don't know whether or not he was in that place of thinking, you know, I'm going to have to serve these guests, and I'm going to have to serve my brother who's taken away part of our family's wealth. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not welcoming him in here because I'm going to have to go serve him. We don't know what his reason was, whether, you know, whether it was just one of those things where he just, you know, that maybe all of his life he dealt with his younger brother's shenanigans. Maybe his younger brother might have taken advantage of his father before. We don't know any of those circumstances. Maybe the reason why the younger brother left in the first place was not because of the father, but maybe it was because of how his older brother had been treating him. We know none of the family dynamics, but we just know that just like with every family, that there was an element of brokenness that the father had to deal with in both of his kids. But in the father's heart, he didn't have one son, he had two. The one that had wandered off in the distant land and the one that stayed behind and became a legalist, rigid, and all he wanted with both of them 
was a relationship. For them to want to be with him. The one still smelling like the world. And the one that stayed at home. And the older brother didn't get this, that the closest way to the father's heart is by loving who the father loves. That as long as he saw the world through his own eyes, he would never get who his father is. But when he began to see the world through his father's eyes, then he didn't see a son that had taken advantage of his father. He would have seen a brother that was lost in a distant land, had had isolated himself from his family and in his brokenness returned back home. And he would have been more than happy to celebrate on the inside of the home with his father and even served a son who didn't deserve it because that was the father's heart. The older brother didn't get that. I don't want to be that. I want to have my father's heart. I want to matter, what matters to him matter to me. I, I want to love people when it doesn't make sense to love them. Because I've experienced that. My father's loved me when it hasn't made sense to love me. He called me when it didn't make sense to call me. He's kept his hand on my life when it, at times it didn't make sense that he would do that. He's a good father. He's a good father. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Man, as we tell this story, you know, in different seasons of our life, you know, you could be in a season where you're the older brother and just frustrated with people and just kind of indifferent to their spiritual condition. Because you feel like that anytime you engage that you're taken advantage of or used or they disappoint you. I don't want to have the older brother's heart. All those things are true. If you love broken people, they will take advantage of you. They will disappoint you. But I want the father's heart in that. Maybe you're the younger brother and you're ways off. And maybe you're just in that period of celebrating and just in that distant land and not really aware of what's getting ready to happen in your world, man, my desire is, is that at some point, like the younger brother, you come to yourself and return. But I want us to look at our lives and just begin to pray, and if anybody in our life is like the younger brother that's distanced themselves, maybe it's a child or a parent or sibling, or friend, or spouse. Just begin to pray that they'll come to themselves in the distant land and begin to ask God to prepare your heart to be willing to celebrate the return. Let's just spend a moment with God.